everyone. Another week of Ask Floss. I love answering your questions. Thank you so much, as always, for getting in touch. Right, let's get into it. The first question. Do you enjoy city life? I absolutely love it. But also when I go home to see my parents, I and I hear the birds in the morning, which you just don't get in certain parts of London. You don't hear the birds. It's just fire engines and sirens and people, people, people everywhere, which I also love because I love people and I love I love watching. I feel like London is very ambitious and I love to be around other ambitious people because I feel that that also elevates my ambition. I really like improving. I like the idea that I can continue to grow and that I will always continue to grow. And in a small town, I definitely did not feel that. I felt out of place. So yeah, I love city life, but I also really deeply miss nature. Okay, on to the next question. Hey, how do I know if I like him? He's cute and really likes me, but I don't really want commitment in my life right now. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no I'm just getting loads of like not bothered vibes from this message. That's all I'm going to say. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Okay, on to the next question. How do I stop feeling so lost? That's a very broad question. Lost in what? That could be lost in purpose. Well, yeah, I guess that's what the question is. Lost in purpose. Okay, I had this really horrific period of my life where I felt like I didn't have anyone, I didn't have anything, and therefore I was meaningless, I had no purpose, I couldn't cling to anything to tell me who I was. And that was where I found myself because I was, what's the word, like almost like suspended in the air with nothing to tell me who I was. That's when I started to read books. That's when I started to form my own opinions because I was no longer being influenced by the people around me. Um, It was when I was kicked out of a friendship group in school. I experienced it again at uni. I experienced it again a few years ago. I would say turn to things that might inspire you. Read books on all kinds of different things. If you don't like reading books, then listen to podcasts, literally the most random podcast. Anything that kind of sparks an interest, if you can build a life or a job or a culture or a group of friends around things that you love, that can be a way to not feel so lost. Also, don't shame yourself for feeling lost. It's completely normal. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that I myself have felt lost because I've done this and that with my life or whatever and I seem to really know what I want. I'm actually just going by the fire inside me always because I really care about people and I really care about things. Okay, on to the next question. Do you still keep a Word document diary? What do you write about? Yes, so my diary, I started it three years ago, actually when I was in that lost period of my life. It was about Actually, no. Okay. So I had a handwritten diary that I started when I uh, broke up with my ex-boyfriend a few years ago. And then it became so apparent that I needed to write more and more and more. My fingers started to get calluses because of how much I was writing. And so then I uh, developed a Word document to record my thoughts instead. And that diary now is 190,000 words long. For context, Women Don't Eat Pretty, my book, I believe, it's about 45,000 words. So that's a book. And my diary is 180,000 words long. And what do I write about? I write about sex. I write about things I'm learning about myself. I write about things I'm realizing about myself, things about the world, some insights, manifestation stuff. It's a place for me to be unfiltered and just let out my internal monologue. 
And it feels really good because I look back on it and I cringe. I look back on it and I laugh. I look back on it and I cry and I cannot believe I ever thought that about myself or I cannot believe that I ever wrote about this date as though it was magical when actually it was horrendous. I think also sometimes I'll write my diary and I'll write about a date through like rose tinted lenses, got the beer goggles on. And then a year later, I'm like, I was literally delusional. I was delusional. So that's always fun. I think it's just really funny to write about your life. And it's also what's helped me to write my fiction book, Girl Crush, as well, because I've got used to having my own tone um, when telling stories. And I love storytelling. Okay, next question. What boundaries are essential? I can't tell you that. Everyone has different boundaries. You might, I mean, with sexual boundaries, you might hate to be spanked. The next person might love it. So I can't say an absolutely essential sexual boundary is like, don't allow someone to spank you because you might love that. It's the same with anything. A boundary for you might be that you don't let anyone come over on the first date. Someone else might feel totally okay with that. Your boundaries are what you feel comfortable with. And I always say the best way to experiment with boundaries is to experiment. See what you feel comfortable with. And when you don't, you have every single fucking right to tell someone that that's not what you want to do. Okay, on to the next question. How do you stay confident with your body? Oh, I don't. It changes all the time. My body changes all the time. How I feel about it changes all the time. But also... I'd say that I feel most confident in my body when I'm dancing. And so that's something that I love that reminds me, but my body can look look and feel fucking fantastic when it moves. And when all the things move, it doesn't matter because I feel so alive and so in my body when I'm dancing. So dancing, I would definitely say, has helped me love the shit out of my body. Um, but yeah, it does always change all the time, up and down. Okay, on to the next question. Do you know your sun, moon and rising signs? Yes, but I don't want to share it because I believe that people can put bad juju on it when you share that stuff. Especially don't ever share your full birth chart with someone because that can easily be manipulated. And I've had I've had friends have people do weird stuff with their birth chart before. So I'm just I'm just going to keep that one to myself. Okay, now on to advice. How do you detach yourself from someone you know is bad for you? Um, detaching. What I will say about it is that don't expect once you've done the action of cutting someone off for your mind to be in that same place. I like to do the action because it's what's good for me and it won't feel right afterwards because you'll want to go back because it was fun or because it was sexy or because they made you feel good about yourself sometimes, whatever your mind is going to take a lot longer to catch up with that being the right decision. I can make a decision um, to stop dating a girl and then I'll only feel like it was the right decision six months later. Don't expect your emotions to be in the same place. That is totally normal. But I think you need to make those tough decisions to just leave and go. Um, and also tell someone that you're making this decision because it's so much more embarrassing when you have to tell your friends. So you know that person that I've been, you know, saying is no good for me and isn't good enough. Yeah, well, I'm having sex with them again. It's it's more embarrassing to have to go back and tell your friends that. So sometimes telling your friends the truth of what you feel, like a form of a, like an accountability partner, I think your friends would probably love to do that for you to keep you in check. Maybe set up a group chat or something where you all talk about your dating stuff. I know that I'd be 10 times less likely to go back to someone that isn't good for me if my friends knew how I felt about them and also the way the person treated me. Okay, on to the next question. Are these excited butterflies or anxious butterflies? How can you tell the difference between excitement and red flag alert? I 
I get this feeling in my wrists that something isn't right. I don't know why it's in my wrists, not in my stomach, but I get this like fizzing feeling in my wrists. And at first I thought that it was excitement. And then I realized that there was a pattern that every time I had this fizzing sensation in my wrist, it's because what was being presented to me felt too good to be true. And if something feels like it's too good to be true, it usually is. There's something that you're not being told. Your brain is picking up on all of these cues that perhaps this person isn't saying verbally to you, but their body language is a bit shifty. Uh, your, your, your brain is picking up on all of these cues that have been dangerous in situations before. I'd say there's definitely more of a sense of calm when you know that something's good for you. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to feel anxious and that your mind's going to be worrying. You might have heart palpitations before you meet them because you're so excited. I'd say everyone's butterflies feel different. But do you feel a sense of like danger or is it a sense of calm? I have a difference between dangerous and calm excitement that I can just feel in my body. Don't know if that was helpful or not. I think it's the age old question of is it anxiety or is it my gut, which is just still totally unanswered. But you will develop your attachment to your own intuition over time the more you keep experiencing a living life and going out there and getting these life experiences. And I think your gut instinct does become more refined. And the more you develop these solid no's, you know what to say, you know when to say no. And then you develop like a, a skill to just cut something when you know that it's no good for you. And I think that that also just comes with age. And I think that I can't wait for the day where I just know instantly that something is off and I follow that gut instinct. I can't wait to be like the wise old grandma. I can't wait for that. Okay, on to the next question. Do you have any advice to give a friend who's changing her style for a boy or is it not my place to raise it? I think it's probably better to point things out to your friend and remind them of the things that they once enjoyed. So if you have a friend who loves to go dancing and they've not gone dancing for a while because their boyfriend doesn't like to go dancing maybe say to your friend hey you've not been dancing for a while are you okay is everything good instead of making it about the boyfriend and saying he's making you do blah 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 this is something I learned from uh, my episode actually with Dr. Romani the expert on narcissistic personality disorder she said that in the episode she said it's better to point out that the friend has changed or maybe that they've not enjoyed things as opposed to blaming the partner because they'll likely double down on it and not listen to you if you start to demonize their partner. Also, I'll just add, is she changing for the boy or is she allowing herself to be... If this, is this a positive change? Is she doing things that she really enjoys and he's introduced her to, I don't know, a different style of clothing or is this something is, is this an identity that she's trying on that just is so ill-fitting and isn't her at all there's a difference between the two I think and that needs to be clarified I feel okay on to the next question how do you maintain political awareness and an involvement in activism without losing faith in humanity surround yourself with good fucking people and also not people who are going to cut you out the group or cancel you because you make a mistake I think the mistake I made going into social justice spaces was thinking that my community and being a part of a community relied on being perfect. It's mental. And there will be some spaces that you try to enter where you feel like you're made to feel like a bad person for not constantly talking about serious things. No one can talk about serious things all the time. And also there's a way to do it that isn't... I, I've always said this about my podcast. I want to talk about serious, important shit 
without making it feel like a burden because I don't want people to feel deflated after they listen to me talk about serious shit. I want them to feel inspired and empowered to enact change. And I want people to feel like that there's an action they can take after the episode instead of feeling deflated and depressed because that's not good for the movement. So don't feel guilty for feeling joy. That I think that's probably one of the worst things that I clung to was feeling guilty for being happy um, in a world that is so shit. We need more of it and we need happy, joyful people to encourage other people to lead them to solutions. And a healed society in a healed world starts with people healing themselves. So don't feel guilty for also getting yourself out of a, a shitty place. That is also part of activism, is being confident enough to talk about this stuff, liking yourself enough so that you can stand in these rooms and assert yourself. We're never going to change anything if we don't believe that we're worthy of change in the first place. Okay, on to the next question. Whenever I've had some kind of sexual interaction with anyone, I feel a bit of regret. I'm scared that these people will now expect something of me while I just wanted to have the sexual interaction. Then I feel guilty about doing it. How can I solve this feeling of guilt or regret? Oh, I totally relate to this one, particularly when it comes to having sex with girls. Um, I feel guilty if I want to, don't want to take it any further. But like I said in a question before, I still make the decision to tell them uh, and then kind of let myself feel that guilt or embarrassment later because it's always the right thing to do to tell someone as soon as you know that it's not a fuck yes and you just wanted to have sex or if they try to arrange a date or anything like that, always say, hey, I had so much fun with you, but I'd like to leave this here. I'm really not interested in dating at the moment. Because also by having casual sex with someone, you don't sign up to date them. But I also do understand that having casual sex with someone, if I, there have also been women that I've had casual sex with that I was like, wow, I'd love to date this person. And then I've, I've tried to arrange with a follow-up date and then would go on a date. So I understand both sides, but I think it just requires communication as soon as possible so that this person doesn't feel misled by you. I think it's just honesty in every situation. But you've asked here, how can I solve this feeling of guilt or regret? Where's the guilt coming from? Is it feeling guilty of letting someone down? I know that women, myself included, usually have a hard time rejecting people because we feel responsible for their emotions. But remember, you're, you're having sex, you're an adult, um, they're adults too. And give people the power of like, I know that you can handle this, you know? You're not definitely not, not gonna start dating someone that you don't like, that's for fucking sure. Uh, don't let the guilt lead you into that because that's just dangerous territory. So yeah definitely be honest with the person. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. What would your career have been if you weren't involved in what you're doing now? 
I don't know because I've been doing this for so long. I've always made art. I've always drawn. I've always been loud. I've always stood up for what I believed in since I was very young. That kind of got muted along the way in high school when I started to reflect the people around me to fit in. But then I kind of reclaimed that back when I came out of a friendship group. But I've always had a fire inside me and I'm lucky enough that I've been able to like claim that back for myself. I honestly don't know. I love people. So maybe I would have opened a little cafe and I would have designed it beautifully because I love visuals. I love interiors. I love artwork. Maybe I would have done something like that, like a cafe in real life version of what my Instagram is, bringing people together, sharing ideas. I love all that shit. So uh, yeah, maybe I'd, maybe I'd have done that. Okay, on to the next question. Can you fall in love with a person if you don't really know them? No, you can't because there are certain situations that you need. It might feel like love. I definitely think that you can feel like you're in love. But until you've seen how someone talks to a waiter, until you've seen how someone talks to their parents, until you've been in physically intimate with someone, you don't know that person. And there are so many, like, what do they get like when the Wi-Fi doesn't work? Do they take it out on you? Are they rude? There's all of this stuff that you might not see with someone within like the first few dates. I think there's so many situations, like people are really good at creating facades. People are really good at love bombing. So personally, I don't think you can truly know someone for a very long time. And even then, some people are so good at being these bad bad actors and putting on the facade um, until they get what they want. Like some people are masters at it. So I think once you kind of have that learning shift, that life experience of being manipulated by people, it kind of turns your world upside down and you find it really hard to know who's got good intentions or or whatever. But then also I know people who have fallen in love on the first date and they're still with their partners now and then like, I love their partners. But again, maybe that's just like a gut intuition that this person is like genuine. It's, it's again, it's an open-ended answer because it's completely dependent on the situation. But I definitely would advise not endorsing extreme feelings of like, let's move in straight away. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's just not healthy. And also it allows, it's probably love bombing if it's, getting to that stage very, very soon. Okay, the next question. What first steps would you take if by curious? Maybe setting up a dating profile and putting it in your bio. Probably doing that. Yeah, I'm just going to go with that as a solid answer. Yeah. Okay, next question. Best way to make other people think you are self-confident and assured without seeming arrogant. Just being kind to people. I think arrogance comes with thinking you're the center of the earth and not treating anyone else with respect. Like there's a confidence that comes from not having to shout it from the rooftops. I think anyone that has to shout, I am the best this, I am the best at that. They they don't like themselves because someone who is confident does not have to shout that loudly. It's this quiet confidence. And I'm not saying don't talk highly of yourself. I talk very highly of myself when I'm in business meetings. I state my achievements and I say, this is what I've done, whatever. But I, I don't do that with a with an air of, I'm trying to convince you that I'm self-confident. I just am. And there's a different energy and a different gravity that comes with not overdoing it. Maybe not being so reactive to prove yourself. Taking a beat and then responding once you've thought about what you want to say. I think that in different contexts, that can be a lot more confident. 
Okay, on to the next question. How do I make queer friends? So <sighs> I'm not recommending that you have sex with women with the intention to then make friends with them. But in a backwards way, that's what ended up happening with me. So I have dated women uh, with the intention to date them romantically and then found out that actually we're better off as friends and and then we've remained very close friends. Um, I've gone to gay bars, met women through there who have become my friends. I've met gay friends from dating someone and then they introduced me to their friends. It's all this kind of like organic community word of mouth type thing because all gay people in London know all gay people in London because it's very it's actually a very small portion of people especially with the internet you kind of get to know who the queer people are um so I would recommend going to a gay bar with a friend with the intention to make friends show up at the same gay bar um frequently and then people will remember you they remember your face remember your drink order that's always really nice I'm definitely not recommending that you hook up with girls to be friends with them but it's kind of the sometimes that's what's happened accidentally off the back of uh, a date that maybe didn't go how I wanted we've become really good friends so yeah there's like numerous ways but the internet for sure also I do Instagram posts sometimes where I encourage people to meet in the comment section so maybe check out some of those when I do them set your alarms okay on to the next question how do I know I'm healing from heartbreak if I'm constantly distracting myself, I think you have these little milestones. Maybe you go a day without talking about them. Maybe you don't bring them up at brunch to your friends. Maybe you think about them, but you hold your tongue and you don't say their name. Maybe you masturbate without thinking about them. You have these little milestones. So even though you're busy and you're distracting yourself, whatever, I think you have these little milestones where their name doesn't give you heart palpitations anymore and you don't frequent the places that you think you might bump into them anymore there's you know there's all these little things that I think show you little signs of progress and just look at yourself in the mirror when you get those moments and fucking kiss yourself as a little reward for progress pat yourself on the back buy yourself something nice those little moments should definitely be celebrated okay on to the next question what's your favorite outfit okay immediately what came to my mind is a coordinating blazer flare situation but they have to be trousers with the belt loops and like uh a seam down the front I don't like like stretchy flares I like the ones with the belt loops so I can wear a nice belt in them and a little shoulder pad on the blazer and then a pointel dagger collar and a little kick boot maybe like a little cowboy boot or something like that that's my perfect favorite outfit silhouette Okay, on to the next one. If a partner is not committed to finding a solution to a problem, what should I do? I can't imagine anything more frustrating than someone refusing to make a solution with you about a problem. Is this a deal breaker for you? Ask yourself. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a situation where that would even be okay. If you're taking your feelings to someone and they're just shutting you down, that, that's horrible. I would likely advise to leave that relationship. If someone, I don't know, again, the question is so vague, finding a solution to a problem. What is the problem? Is the problem, what should we have for dinner? And they're like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> then, you know, you're not going to break up with someone over that. But if this is a problem in the relationship, you're telling someone, I don't feel like you take care of me in bed enough. I don't feel centered in our sex together. And they're going, well, I can't be bothered then fucking dump them, you know? 
I don't, you deserve so much better than that. Like I, I, this question is so vague, I almost cannot answer it. Um, but anyone who's not committed to finding a solution to a problem likely does not care about your needs. And that is not the kind of person you need in your life. Okay, on to the next question. Do you have some inspiration for writers who feel like giving up? Okay, so I discovered this thing the other day that's called the most dangerous writing app. I had a bit of a blockage the other day and it's because I was writing about something I did not want to write about um, because it's really tough and tricky for me to write about. And I was like, right, how am I going to push through this? And there's an app called the most dangerous writing app where if you stop typing for about 10 seconds, it deletes everything that you wrote. And what I didn't do was download the app, but I wrote as though I was writing into the app and it worked really well. So I just kept going and I just kept writing the stream of consciousness as though the entire thing would be deleted in a few seconds. Maybe if you're writing something just creatively and it's not for a book or something where it would be devastating to lose material, definitely try that app. That was really fun for me to try out the other day. Also, just beginning writing instead of being perfectionist about it, because that's what I get into in my headspace sometimes, which is why the pressure of it all deleting really helped me the other day. Okay, on to the next question. Hi, I'm obsessed with the first episode of the podcast. Thank you. I have a query about bisexuality. I realised I was bi when I was about 18 and I'm now 23, but I've been in a happy, healthy relationship with a man for the last few years that I can see being long-term. I came out to him recently and he was so supportive and respectful. How can I explore my bisexuality within the framework of this relationship? I think you probably need to get to terms with what you want. You say you want this to be a long-term relationship with your partner. Could you see yourself opening up the relationship? Is that something you could, you could propose to him? The one thing I would say is please tell every single sexual partner your situation before you sleep with them. Tell them that you have a boyfriend before you do it. You don't want to mislead anyone. Um, if you are in an open relationship, please tell your partners. Yeah, just just talk talk with your boyfriend about it. Um, because if you're having these feelings and you feel like they need to be endorsed because you're going to be with this person for a while and you want to explore your sexuality, then talk with him about doing that. That's your choice. But also don't expect a lot of people to want to enter that dynamic with your with you and your boyfriend. It might be a lot harder to find a woman to sleep with you or experiment with you if she knows that you have a partner. But you do have to tell every single partner that you have a boyfriend. Okay, next question. How do you deal with anxiety centered around self-worth and work identity? So not a lot of people, if we're talking about work identity as in what you do for a living, not a lot of people will see your trajectory or where you want to go. When I first moved to London, I worked two jobs on top of each other. And I always knew that I wanted to be a successful artist. I always knew that I wanted to do that. And when I told people that I was selling my prints on Etsy um, and was working a full-time job at a restaurant and also being at uni full-time, that didn't sound... It's people meeting you in your middle stages, which I feel can be very uncomfortable to tell people because they can't see your vision. They can't see where you're going to take it, specifically when it comes to art. That's the thing I can relate to is that, you know, when I told my parents I was selling a few prints on Etsy a day, 
they didn't really get it and they didn't really understand it. But now I'm doing all of this stuff, they can understand and comprehend that. But I think it's really uncomfortable for people to see you in your beginning stages of something. So the advice I would have for that is to not allow other people to validate or discredit your journey and your path. So many people don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. They're just going with it. And for the part about anxiety around self-worth, I know a lot of people say fake it till you make it. And I think that when it comes to affirmations and telling yourself nice things about yourself, that is definitely true. But don't fake it so much that there becomes a split between who you are and who you're telling people you are, because that will just create even more discomfort. So I think affirmations are really important because it changes the way you view things. You look for good things in the world, you look for good things in yourself, and you can rewire your thought patterns. But I wouldn't advise to not do it so much that you that it feels like you're lying to yourself. Yes. Okay, on to the next question. I'm in love with my best friend. What the fuck should I do? Um, <laughs> I have been in this situation many times throughout my life. I thought, that I've been in love with my friends and then was grateful that I didn't tell them later because actually those feelings were something else. And then I also have actually fallen in love with my best friends. I did tell one of my best friends how I felt about her and we had a really good conversation. And then as soon as I told her, it went away. And I no longer, I think a lot of it relies on ambiguity between friends because you're thinking about you're thinking about what are they thinking? You're thinking about, do they feel the same way? Um, Is this in my head? Am I doing this because I'm just actually being close to someone and I haven't been for a while? But if you know that you're in love with your best friend, I know it's, it's the tempting thing, isn't it? To never talk about it and then hope that maybe one day something will happen. But nothing's more crushing than watching someone you love get into a relationship because then you'll likely start to distance yourself from the friend and then that can be unhealthy. I would say tell them. I've always done that. I've always told them. Not immediately, obviously, but I've always told my friends like, hey, this is getting a bit intimate right now. I've never actually fallen in love or had feelings for a friend that wasn't reciprocal. But when I have addressed things, it's because I feel like I've been misled. That's happened a lot. And I feel like that needs addressing in friendships um, when things maybe cross a line or things go into more romantic than they do friendship, which can also be very confusing when you're queer. Those boundaries get very blurred a lot, especially because between women, women are so affectionate with each other. So yeah, I would just I would just say, tell your friend and say, you know, I'm having these feelings, no pressure to reciprocate them. But if you'd like to, I'd love to talk about it. And oh my God, also it's just going to improve your friendship so much. Either that, or you'll end up dating, which is fucking great and exactly what you want. Come back for the same time next week for more Ask Floss. I can't wait to chat to you. 